you try to get a neurotic hypochondriac person to go scuba diving. Do you understand how much like convincing, how much like uh, self-talk and stuff that that took to get me to do it? And to date, it's like my top three favorite things I've ever done. The Extra Pack of Peanuts Travel Podcast, episode 439. With a population of 470,000 people, the city of Iquitos is the ninth most populous city in Peru. But what's so amazing about it is it's the largest city in the world that cannot be reached by road. It's accessible only by river or air. That doesn't sound so bad right now. Hello, travel nerds, and welcome to the Extra Pack of Peanuts Travel Podcast, the show that teaches you how to travel more while spending less. I'm your host, Travis Sherry, and joining me today is someone who, in his own words, despite being a neurotic Jew from New York who is quite possibly the most risk-averse person you know, has traveled to over 20 countries, all while clutching his wallet too tight and packing every medication under the sun just in case he's three hours from a hospital. Gilad Gamliel from anxiousandabroad.com. And I love the domain because it's so easy to remember and do. Gilad, thanks so much for joining me. Huge welcome. Yeah, thanks. Thanks so much for having me. I love the site. Like I said, I love the name. I love the layout of the site. Like you can tell it's a labor of love because when you go, it's just, it's so infused with your personality, which is what I love about it. And and even, even the very bottom, I think it's of your about page says, I've been there, I've thought about it, I've worried about it, I've worried some more, and there's a solution. And that's what you're all about, right? Yeah, I mean, I I started Anxious and Abroad in general as a way to just sort of like, to tell people the, the things about travel that I wish I had known before I went, because I thought it was going to be such a scary thing. And so when I made my site, I really wanted to infuse it with like, my personality and my way of talking, because if it's coming from sort of like a textbook sort of persona or a tone, you know, it removes the whole human element of it. And my whole like shtick on my site is that it's like, it's me, it's someone who's done it. I get it. I've been in your position and I know what you're thinking. Yeah. And and that comes across. And I, I kind of rate sites or when I see sites, I'm like, in 10, 15 seconds, do I know what this is about? And do I feel this connection with, with the person? If it's a personal site like this. And I instantly did, even though even though, and we kind of just touched on this right before we started recording, like I am not someone who struggles with anxiety or OCD or feels overly anxious. I would actually say I'm probably pretty far on the other side of just like, ah, screw it. Like whatever, yeah. it'll be okay. Yeah. But I, I still felt that connection because there have been times, despite not struggling with it all the time, that I felt anxious on a trip, that I freaked out as people have listened to this podcast know that I've made mistakes, that I've yelled at Heather, that I've like, <laughs> you know, done everything that that someone would do. Yeah. And so I love that, that you're saying like, it's not, it isn't just for people who are overly anxious. We're all going to feel it. I just, I, when I made it, I thought about 
the all of the people who have never tried it before and all of the people who might be too scared to try travel, but not only them, but everyone in general who's who's done it or who doesn't have anxiety or classify themselves as anxious people, but like there is nothing about travel that is like comfortable, you know? Like it's it's a literal geographic step outside your comfort zone. So who won't be anxious even a little bit? So I I I realize that it's a kind of a niche market because it's for people with anxiety, but it's also really not because everybody struggles with anxiety to begin with. And so all of the like blog posts and the tips and the recommendations and stuff on my site are applicable to both people who struggle with anxiety and just people in general who want to be a little bit prepared when they go on a trip. Yeah. When you're talking about that niche market of, of people who are overly anxious, is there a way and, and that, that people know, like, do you, because again, and this is coming from a totally, uh, you know, naive perspective, right? Of not being a doctor, not, not, you know, not someone who is, feels this way myself. Is there like, would someone, if they came to your site and they, would they know, would they be like, I am an overly anxious person. I know that. I think, um, there's no, like, I guess, telltale signs of it. It's just sort of the fact for, I mean, for me, I'm very well aware of my anxiety. I've known it for my entire life. Um, but pretty much if you're the type of person who plans, if you're the type of person who can't go into a situation and just sort of figure it out, or if you're the type of person who thinks you need to think things through um, ahead of time in order to not feel like physical discomfort um, in a situation, then that's how I would say you would know if you're, I guess, an anxious person. Um, you know, for me, I, I struggle with worrying about my trips. I book my trips. I love them. I'm excited about them. But like the two weeks leading up to the trip, I'm it's dread for me. It's just dread. And I've been on like, I mean, I don't know, like 10 trips at this point. And every single time it happens and it's just, you know, you always are concerned that it's going to be different this time, that something's going to go wrong, that you're going to get stuck in the middle of a jungle with no one around and, and malaria. Like <laughs> there's always something. So if, if you get butterflies or if you get anxiety at the idea of just not having control, because I think that's the main concern with travel anxieties, you just have no control over your surroundings or what happens to you, um, then I think that's probably your best bet for figuring out if, if you're an anxious person in regards to travel. You mentioned that that you know you've struggled with it all your life. How did it manifest itself? Like even before you were traveling, what, yeah. what did that look like for you? Because because oh. I think it's really cool that mm. we're going to talk about the travel side. Obviously, people listening want to travel, but there's uh, you know there are parts of life, believe it or not, right that that aren't when you're traveling that you still have to deal with this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I've been a very like I've been very aware of my anxieties since I was a kid. Like I was always my I was always being told by family and, and friends like growing up that is a really sensitive and, and worried child about like ridiculous things that a kid doesn't need to worry about. And as I grew up, it sort of manifested in ways that um, just sort of like, like really tamped down on my, on my life. Like I was able to continue like going to school and like social life and everything, but I was always worried constantly, like a knot in my chest. And, um, it really came to a head in college when I really noticed uh, I, I was able to diagnose my OCD. I didn't really know what it was. Um, I just thought I was like insane. <laughs> and uh, I, I did like a Google search about um, uh, health obsessions. Those are my primary ones. It's always about like, uh, I'm a 21 year old with a brain tumor or Alzheimer's or something. And everyone has it to a degree, but it was for me, it was to the point where it was like affecting my daily life. And um, 
once I kind of like was able to identify it and then I was able to start seeing a therapist about it, that's when things really crystallized for me. And I really like to talk about it because I, I felt so alone for so long, you know, like with anxiety and OCD in particular, like the goal of the anxiety is to tell you that you're the only one feeling this way. And it's, it's so, I mean, not funny, but like, it's kind of funny. And like everyone, everyone does feel this way to a degree. There are like, there's, everyone you know has experienced something like this. And so I like talking about it because it's sort of the conversations I wish I had before I sort of, you know, learned about it so that I hope other people hear it and, and can kind of uh, relate to it in a way that makes them feel less alone, you know? So for you, it was, it really helped to put a name to it. Like just know oh, this yeah. is OCD. Yeah. And, and I, mean, this... like, I literally thought I was going insane. <laughs> right. Wow. And, and you, you know, on this, whether, whether it comes to, anxiety, OCD, mental health, all this stuff. I, I've always found as well, like when you can put a name to it, it becomes real. So yeah. it's not just living in your head in this scary, like, well, it's like a cloud of like confusion. You don't know what it is because it's all this, it's like this mishmash, like a mess of thoughts, emotions, feelings and stuff. And when, especially when you're not talking to anyone about it, you just can't understand what it is. And you feel like it's just going to like engulf you. Right. But once you can put a name to it, as you can, as this is the same with like any sort of, you know, disorder, um, then you can kind of say, like, see like, okay, this is common enough that people know what it is and there are treatments for it and you know what to do with it. And, and there's, there's a, and there's other people who have it and, yeah. they're, and they're having sites or they're posting in forums or, or maybe you even, you know, I could meet them in person, you know, yeah. whatever. Did that, did you do that? Like, cause you said, I diagnosed it myself. I started reading yeah. about it. Yeah. Did you then, and you went to therapist, but did you start finding other people who, who had it? I have to say it wasn't really until, um, I started working on my site that I started like, I don't even know if I met anyone in person, but like just talking to people who reached out to me, there was a girl, um, who reached out to me about my website, who's, who was moving, she was studying abroad in Dublin. And she was like, I'm really, really freaking scared. Like I'm really terrified. Um, and I've always been like this and I don't know what to do. And seeing your site was really helpful because it showed me that there are other people who feel this way. Uh, but in terms of like talking about it, I'm a very like slow to open person or I was, I guess, slow to open person. So I like to handle my stuff internally and then like with one other person before like kind of branching it out to other people. So it was a lot of time with my therapist, just talking about it, the two of us, and then slowly branching out to friends and like close friends and family. And now I'm pretty comfortable talking about it with most people, but uh, yeah, it was pretty slow, slow to open. Did anyone in your family struggle with it as well? Like, did you find out? No. Okay. No, nobody. It, and that's, that was something too, because I didn't really, as I was experiencing it, I didn't really know what to do with it because I haven't talked to my parents about uh, mental health or anything growing up. And in school, I mean, I'm lucky I grew up in like the early 2000s and stuff when we did talk about it, but not to the degree that we do now. So I didn't really know where to go. And so that's why Google was my friend when it came to it, because I, I just sort of like typed in the one time I typed in my symptoms and it came up as something good. Thank you, Google. God yeah. bless Google, right? Yeah. You, you mentioned that uh, the one girl that you're talking about that was studying abroad in Dublin and, and your story is the same of like, you, all right, you know, you're anxious, you know, that feel, you feel that way, but you push through, like you still said, guess what? Like she felt that way and she was still already in Dublin and, and you felt that way and you still said, well, I'm going to go travel. How were you able to do that? Because I, that's a pretty strong willpower to, to it was, do it. 
it was a combination of two things. One, I, I was really aware at that point, I was, I think, 23 during, during my first trip. And I was really aware at that point of how the anxiety was keeping me stuck. It was keeping me in a comfort zone. And I was, I knew I wanted more from it. I knew I wanted to travel. It's something I had always wanted to do. And I never felt able to. I mean, I went to the same like high school, college, middle school, everything with, with my same like core group of friends because I was afraid to do anything else. Um, so there was that. And then there was also the fact that I learned with OCD treatment, it's called exposure and response prevention. And it's kind of a really kind of sometimes terrible feeling way to do things. But you you literally jump into the deep end of the pool. Like whatever it is you're afraid of, you have to expose yourself to it to sort of desensitize yourself to it in the way that like if you watch a scary movie once, you can't go to sleep for a week. If you watch it 20 times, you can go to bed in no time. So uh, yeah, it's, it's kind of like one of those things where I was like, okay, I know that this is keeping me stuck and stopping me from doing what I wanna do. And at the same time, I also recognize the value in pushing through the fear because I've seen it in other aspects of my life be helpful. So I was like, let's just try it. And I thankfully, my first trip, I had a friend to go with. So that was really helpful too. It kind of eased me in. Um, and ever since then, it was just one of those things that I was like, this is obviously worthwhile. It's worth pushing through. Does it get, does it get easier? Yes, okay. it does. Like I said, I two weeks before every single trip, I do have like a huge panic, not a panic attack, but like I freak out and I want to cancel. But every time I arrive, it is easier than the time before. And then once I'm there, it gets much easier too, because you just sort of know what to expect with hostels and with buses and stuff. You know, my first trip, I was like, oh my God, how am I going to get from the airport to the hostel? How am I going to get from the hostel to the bus station? And now I'm like, I mean, I've figured it out. Yeah. yeah. What, when you, all right, so that first trip, yeah. you, had, you had this friend, they, did they know like, oh man, I, I have anxiety, I, I have OCD. Mm. Were they, did you tell them and kind of prep them ahead of time to I say? Think, uh, my anxiety was like always kind of known to my friends. Not okay. like, not like to the full extent of like knowing that it is OCD and knowing, you know, how, how much it affects me. But like they know from my behavior and my, the way I talk and stuff that I'm an anxious person. So they like kind of knew what they were getting into. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So they, they knew you well enough to like, all right, I'm getting in this. But then how did you decide like where to go? Like, was that part of the thing of I'm going to go somewhere that's either, as you mentioned, so far out of my comfort zone that if I go here, you know, okay, I can do anything. Or was it, okay, I'm going to go somewhere that might be out of my comfort zone, but I also am not going to go put myself in the middle of Siberia in yeah, a hut. I, I mean, we went, we went to Southeast Asia, the literal opposite side of the world. Uh, I don't really remember it being a huge factor in the decision. Like, I guess in my mind, I was like, whether I'm in, I don't know, London or, or Thailand, it's far. <laughs> so whatever. I don't know. Um, and I, there was just so many attractions to Southeast Asia that I wanted to see in general. It was a complete like, I mean, you're from the US, like it's a complete opposite ecological like world. I'm with know? you. I tell people like, I've never told someone to go Southeast Asia and they've come back disappointed. I mean, it, it was, it's almost it was, impossible to because it's it so was, different. Like, I, I was listening to your podcast the other day with uh, Practical Wanderlust with Leah and Jeremy and they were talking about expectations. And I thought that was so important because I... I did have expectations for my first trip. I did think it was going to be like a eat, pray, love kind of nonsense, right? And the thing about Southeast Asia is that it is so incredible that even if it doesn't meet like unrealistic movie expectations, 
it does in so many other ways. Like I never thought I'd go scuba diving, canyoning down a waterfall, like, you know, uh, you know, hiking for five days in the jungle. I never, you know, I'm a risk averse person. I never thought I'd do that. And having done it, I was like, I couldn't come home and be disappointed because it was just, it was just so cool, you know? Yeah. You mentioned this. That's a good point. Like not only is there the anxiety pre-trip and, and kind of that, but then throughout the trip, there's, you know, every moment, maybe not every moment. I don't know. You tell me, is it, is it almost like, Hey, every day there's a hundred moments where I'm nervous about this. Oh yeah. I mean, okay. I'm nervous at like a hundred percent of the time. Okay. So it, um, it is every moment. So then yeah. how do you, how do you get, how do you deal with that to say, I'm going to go like, like you said, scuba diving, trekking through the jungle for the, like things that even non-risk averse people would be like, Oh, this is like I scuba dive. And the first time I was crazy nervous. I'm like, what if this thing comes out? He tells me to do this. We were like five feet under the water. I could obviously just come up, but you know, I'm like in my head thinking of the thousand things that could go wrong because oh, yeah. that. I, so I, I think what it is, is that I had recognized at that point in my life, like being idle and sort of like doing nothing is kind of like poison when it comes to OCD. Like it's too much time and too much space in your brain for like nonsense to come up and like kind of make you uncomfortable right so it sort of was this idea of like replacing the negative stress with positive stress like if i'm at a hostel in thailand and i have to figure out how to get to a waterfall and how i'm going to pay for stuff there and how to get back and what if i don't know the language like those are stressors but they're kind of positive because they're still fun i'm still getting something out of it whereas just being home and sitting and stewing with like the thoughts of like how a like a twitch in my finger is some neurological issue. Like that's, it, it's not worth it. Right. So it was one of those things. And then I think there's also momentum that you build on. Like I, I felt that pushing myself to go to Southeast Asia was a scary thing and like an achievement in itself. And then once I was there and also, you know, this, like you meet people in hostels and you meet people and, and they just, uh, they're like, we're going here. You want to come? And I'm like, well, I mean, yeah, I'm here. Why not? Right. And then it just sort of like snowballs and it becomes sort of like a a pattern of saying yes to things that make you uncomfortable to a small degree. And then you reap the benefits of it each time. So then the next time you're forced to like decide, do I want to do something that's going to be scary, like scuba dive or Canyon? I didn't even plan on canyoning when I went and then I, I did it. Like every time you decide to do it and realize that it's okay, it, you build on it and, and the momentum just kind of helps you moving forward. Were, was there anything specifically in that first trip that you didn't do that, that you did say no to that, in retrospect, you say, man, like it was because I was anxious I, yeah. about it and I wish I could go back and, and do it or that you've done in the now in the future or like after that first trip? No, it's a great question. Honestly, no. I, I don't know if it was peer pressure or if it was whatever. Like the big thing on the list was canyoning in Vietnam in Dalat and I did it and it was awesome. Like I've done, on, on more recent trips, I guess there were things that I opted out of less so because of anxiety and more just because like sometimes I just can't be bothered to do a hike that doesn't seem worth it. Sure, sure. <laughs> well, with everyone, it's it's a risk, not even a risk reward. It's it's a like, do I bother, right? Time yeah. versus pleasure of what you're going to get out of it. And sometimes they're just, it's just not worth it, right? Like yeah, I don't care I mean, about going to that art museum sometimes yeah. in lieu of something else because I'd rather go do something else. I This is off topic. I just can't be bothered with some museums sometimes. Like, I don't know. I, I'm a nature guy. I'm a hiking guy. Um, when I'm visiting somewhere, I could, I mean, I live in New York city. I could go to a museum of natural history. I go to a lot of places and, uh, 
I don't know. I'd rather spend time hiking. But well, I my problem with museums too is that then I feel guilty if I go and leave too quick. Like, oh man, <laughs> you went to this museum, shouldn't you have? Like, it's expectations. Like you told yeah, me, yeah. oh, I should spend five hours here because it's the fifth biggest museum in Europe. But then you're I, thinking, I don't know. I'm kind of bored. I, I don't really want to do this. I get flashbacks to when I was young and like my grandma would take me to a museum and, and make me like look at every piece of art and tell me, tell her what I think it's about. And I'm like, I'm five grandma. I don't know. <laughs> so then right. I go now and I'm like, this is really cool. This is also really cool. But also like, so is the, the mountains that I would like to go see, you know? Right. Right. Yeah. So it's like just trekking around. Like I'd rather stroll around the city and just, and just kind of see life happening versus sometimes being in a museum. Does that, do you now, since you've gone on multiple trips, you're 10 trips in, you know, you've seen a bunch of countries. Do you have a, I don't want to say a checklist. Maybe it's a mental checklist of like, Hey, these are the things that, that make me feel comfortable. Like I always travel with someone else, or maybe you're at a point where like, no, I actually, I always travel. So like, are there things that you say, I always do this because it's, it's going to be better. Yeah, I do. Um, it's not necessarily like, I guess, a physical checklist. For me, it's kind of mental. Like, I don't really limit myself to whether or not I can travel with friends anymore because with my work schedule, it's sort of, I travel when I can. And if, you know, I don't want to miss out on an opportunity because some friends can't. But what I will say is I do have like a mental checklist of things to remind myself when I'm gone, if I'm solo or with friends, to not like have a panic attack. And that's, um, remember that the trip isn't permanent. Uh, anxiety and, and OCD always try and like tell your story with an ending that is kind of catastrophic, whether it's like, I'm going to die, I'm going to get mugged, I'm going to die, I'm going to be sold into like drug mule, whatever. Uh, and just always reminding myself, like, I have a date that I'm coming back. And even if I don't, I know that I can at any point go home. Uh, and that's really helpful to me to just sort of bring like rain in the perspective. Um, I have the I, I like to give myself like sort of an emergency panic button, which is like always have enough money just in case you want to book a flight home. I've never used it. Thankfully, I always find myself enjoying my trip enough to like stick it out and enjoy it. But it's comforting to know that if things get too hard, I could just leave. Um, and then also just the fact that like we're traveling in the 21st century and, you know, I I my mom's a neurotic Jewish mom and I she wants me to be in touch with her every single day. And I always am when I'm away, you know there's wi-fi there's whatsapp there's all sorts of things in order to keep in touch with people at home and you're not you're not as cut off as you think you are when you go and then the last thing that i could say i guess is like just feeling scared is fine like there's no shame in it i don't know why we we have such a huge shame like complex around feeling scared especially with travel most people are afraid to travel most people don't travel as much as as you know we do and the fact that you go is a brave thing and if you leave that's okay you tried it you know Totally. I mean, that's that's the thing. If you're out traveling and feeling anxious about it, you've done more than probably 75% of the people back home. I agree with you. Yeah. <laughs> like you've already done it. Like they're they're scared or anxious and they never even took that step. And and oh man, it's it just brings me back. If you guys are long-term long-time listeners, you know that we did a episode called our biggest travel freakouts. And a lot of you love my buddy Napkins. I mean, everyone loves Napkins, but you love this freakout story because he's so open and honest about it. And and Gilad, like he had a m multiple major freakouts, like legit panic attacks on the plane, stuff like that that I, I didn't know how to deal with. Um, still don't know how to deal with well. But one of the reasons having you on, I'm super thankful because it helps 
someone out like if i'm with someone and something happens i'm like well what should i do remind them that they have this say i've got money in the bank like what i guess bringing that up what can travel companions do if someone is experiencing this or even getting to the panic attack level that is a really good question because i don't think people really think about that as much um it's very interesting when you are when someone is in like the thick of anxiety or like panic the truth is there's not much anyone else can say that's really going to like fix it right you just sort of have to weather it with them so i guess the best thing that i could say and that i have had with my friends is that like just having them like empathize and understand where you're coming from no one who is going through a panic attack wants to be told that they're acting crazy or like being too much or like no it's a, it's an easy mistake to make cuz you're trying to talk someone down and be like you're blowing this out of proportion it's fine but the thing is like we know the logic isn't real to it the emotion is very real though so like just like sitting with them and being like i get it you it's okay like it's you're going to be fine um but i feel this i understand why you feel this and it's okay and just like sit it through and we will we'll get through it together and then um just sort of like checking in with them occasionally not too much no one really wants to be like you good yeah you good yeah but like just occasionally being like how how are you feeling like do you feel good about it um and then occasionally giving like a little bit of positive reinforcement being like like this you were having fun you know yesterday or a week ago um i understand you're panicking now and if you want to go home i get it but but think about it like next week we might be hiking here or we might be going to this waterfall like um do you think that this anxiety will maybe pass and that'll be worth it mm. Such but, good uh, advice. As you're saying yeah. it, I realize that Heather did most of the things you you said to do. Um, I, I specifically remember her saying to, to Napkins one time, like, hey, you know, yesterday we had a really great day. You know, remember that that was super fun. Like, it's cool to just be, you know, to just hang out today. Uh, but just remember, we're going to be doing this in the future. I had a little bit of the tough love. I, I Is there room for tough love? I mean, obviously, it depends on the person, but... It got, I'll tell you the, what happened, and then you could tell me if, again, I, you know, having a panic attack, we got to China, my buddy Napkins thought he had DVT, deep vein thrombrosis from the flight. Oh, I know that one. I have, in okay. my head, had it many times. Okay. He <laughs> had it in his head as well. He's like, look at this bruise. There was no bruise on his leg. You know, we're in this hostel, in this private room. He's just freaking out, freaking out, freaking out, calling his sister-in-law, who's a physical therapist, who, who yeah, I guess, she, you know, not a doctor, but in the medical field kind of you know she's like you're fine he's reading symptoms if you're overweight he's not overweight usually females who have given birth none of that right i so, relate to this so hard <laughs> <laughs> all right so we're just telling him like you don't have it it's okay but it got to a point it was like three hours in and it was late night and it was our first night there that finally he was like will you guys take me to the hospital and i just said nope if you think you have it you go figure out how to, how to get to the hospital like that was my tough love point of like I know you don't have it. You probably know you don't have it. But again, I had never dealt with this before. No, I, the thing is he, I mean, I don't know him. He probably knew he didn't have it. I'm the same way. Like I had a similar experience where I, <laughs> I had a mole on my back. I've had it forever. For whatever reason, my brain was like, we're focusing on this this week. And you could not, unless I saw a doctor and he confirmed that I didn't have it, you could not convince me I was fine. It, it didn't matter. I called friends, family, whatever. It doesn't matter. Like, I was like, I have this. And then two weeks later, I'm like on Facebook and I see an old picture from one of my trips and I can see my mole on my back. I'm like, oh, it's the same exact thing. I was being an idiot. But what's important to remember is like, yes, he probably didn't have a DVT. I mean, he doesn't. He would be dead now. <laughs> but like, 
the the emotion that he was feeling is so palpably real to him and in his head whether or not it's logical he has it right and so the panic is so intense that unless you get confirmation it really feels like like there's nothing that can be done to dissuade you the thing is like if i was to like i'm not I'm no therapist but if i was to like ocd therapize him i'd say the 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 what you were doing was the right thing, like exposure therapy, like tell yourself you have it, tell yourself you're going to die there and just like sit in it and sit in the discomfort and let it like wash over you and let it pass. Um, because like, yeah, it's a huge inconvenience to go to a hospital, you know, and at midnight and, in Shanghai on your first exactly. night landing and there or like, whatever. Yeah. spend however much money or whether or not you have travel insurance, I don't know. And, and, uh, be told that you're fine. Um, it's, it's, it's very difficult. Where can that confirmation come from? Because you mentioned like no one was going to tell you that you were, you were not going to believe anyone unless it was a doctor. So like, are there, are there, like it might not come from me, but are there people or are there things that friends or family have done where they're like, all right, well, Gilad's not going to listen to me because I'm not a professional, but like he does listen to these type of people or we can pull this up online or, or stuff what, like that. Okay, what I would say is, when it comes to discerning between like a real uh, concern and like real um, confirmation versus like when it becomes kind of compulsive and like unhealthy is if you ask one person or one like respected person or whatever, and they say something and you accept it, or when you do it as a compulsion and just need like confirmation from one, two, three, four, five people before you feel okay. Um, I'm lucky I have some friends who are doctors and pharmacists and nurses. And I, if I text one of them, or two of them even maybe sometimes, and I tell them what I'm experiencing and they tell me I'm fine, that's fine. Uh, but if I continue, I realize it's a pattern that it's not very like healthy. Um, overall, I'd say Dr. Google is usually a bad call. Uh, you know, These things are always designed to make you think you have cancer. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you know someone personally who works in healthcare and you and feel comfort, like feels comfortable like talking to you about it, that's helpful. Um, yeah, like if you go to one doctor and they tell you, you're fine. Just, I guess, accept, do your best to accept that and move on um, without trying to like get confirmation from like a whole swath of people afterwards. Yeah. It seems like a pretty good strategy, whether you're the person who says I'm traveling and, and I know I'm going to be anxious to have a, to have a person even tell them beforehand, Hey, I'm traveling. Can I get a hold of you? You know, if, if I, if I'm worried and we're talking mostly about medical health issues, but I think that's probably Am I right? The the big one for people with anxiety and OCD is like you're worried a lot about health. Yeah, I mean, I did a I did a whole blog post about um, like mosquito bites and and health and insurance and stuff while you're away. And I mean, the long and short of it really is you could do everything you can to plan, and you should get your vaccines, bring your bug spray, you know, all that kind of stuff. Travel insurance if you want it. Um, but at the end of the day, the thing you're going to have to accept is you're going to be anxious and there are going to be uncertain things. And that's just something you're going to have to be OK with while you're gone and and trust that, like, the excitement of the rest of it is going to, like, keep you occupied enough to not have this circulate in your brain the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. so, yeah, like you said, I think if you're the person who's anxious, get find someone who, you know, or maybe it's your doctor or a friend who you can contact. And so, you know, that's kind of in your back pocket, just like you mentioned, Gilad, about having the money in your back pocket, you know, they're there. And then if, if you're traveling, like if it was me traveling with napkins again, you better believe I would tell our friend Courtney, listen, Courtney, we might yeah. call you at any point. Yeah. 
in the middle of the night, can you please like pick up or send you a text so that if, if something is happening, like if I know he respects your opinion, you know, we can get through this or can help get through this a lot quicker yeah, yeah. than if it's just me who doesn't know anything. Right. talking to him. And I, I don't want to undercut like as a as a friend, like someone, a loved one of someone who has this stuff, like it's frustrating. I know this because I I mean, I, sometimes like I'll text my brother at like every day being like, I think I have Alzheimer's today. And he's like, you're being really stupid. I, and I'm like, I know, I know that. <laughs> like, I get it. I get the frustration. These are repeat things. The thing is like, for people with anxiety, it's important to remember, we don't want to be bugging people with this stuff so much. It's just like so palpably real for us that we, it feels like impending doom, you know? And there's responsibility on both sides. Like for you, the responsibility is to like, you know, try and be more empathetic and, and try and like really sit with them and re like recognize where they're coming from. And for them, the responsibility is like, you want to work on your anxiety. So you're not stressing so much that you might be burdening your friends, you know, like you don't mean to burden them, but if, if it's a continued pattern of it, it can. So it, it's, it requires, um, sort of an equal amount of effort on both sides, you know? Yeah. And you mentioned this idea of people with anxiety, not wanting to burden burden people don't want to bother and annoy people. But, and I think that's important for me to hear. I, I mean, I know it, but hearing you say it, because now I think, all right, if, if someone is saying it to me, like it really is like, it needs to be taken seriously because you know, they don't want to annoy you, but if they're courageous enough or it's that big of an issue that now they're telling me they've gone through their head, say, man, it's worth almost like how you said, it's worth me taking the trip, even though I have to go through this. It's worth me telling this person annoying them because it's so important that I, that someone knows. I think there's a thing with people with anxiety. I mean, I can't speak for everyone, but I know for me, like I'm always really concerned about burdening people with these things and I don't want to. So if I get to the point where I feel like I have to, it's like you said, I'm not trying to, I don't want to, I don't want to ruin your day. I don't want to like make the entire evening about my DVT. Right. Um, but to me, it is such a palpable, intense feeling that I feel like I need to. And so just, I think it's helpful sometimes to disassociate the anxiety from the person, you know, you love your, your friend napkins. You don't want like he, that's not him. That's like the anxiety in his brain. That's kind of making it a bit harder to deal with sometimes. And that's also just like, it's hard traveling with some people versus others. I have a lot of friends I couldn't travel with for whatever reason, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Regardless yeah. of anxiety. I mean, there's just personalities that, that, that work, that don't work, that kind of work, that might work for a little bit and then need time off and they can come back. You know, it's like any, any type of relationship. Do you do anything that, because you talked about when you're having, when you're freaking out, the things that you kind of do, remind myself of this, remind myself, do you do anything else that centers you either before a panic attack or before it gets full blown or during it that you know, hey, this, this is going to help me out? I, at this point, have a bit of awareness enough to know the things that are that work for me when it comes to panicking. Um, the biggest surprise I think to me that was helpful was socializing. I I'm someone who usually retreats kind of inward when I'm having a panic attack because I want to like deal with it myself and and not bother people with it and then like come back fresh or whatever. Um, but I mean, you know this from traveling and and hostels and stuff. Like people are so friendly and grounding yourself with interaction with other people is a really good way to do it because it it sort of forces your brain to refocus from inside to outside. You're talking to someone, there's not enough room for you to talk to someone and also panic on the inside, right? So forcing your your mind to reset like that and have a conversation with someone to me is very effective. Wow. 
Yeah, that's a oh, that's fascinating because one of the things again coming back to to my major experience with this was when we were on that China trip a few different times. And one of them, and this is actually a lesson that Napkins taught me about traveling when we were on this trip. And I had traveled a ton and he had barely traveled. And and Heather and I came back with this lesson. We were going to the highest cable car in the world in, in, um, out in Lijiang, China. And we're like, you gotta go, man. Like you, we're going up, like we're going 17,000 feet. We don't even have to hike it. We're going to this cable car. It's going to be awesome. It's snowing at the top. And you know, he was just like, no way. Like, what if we run out of oxygen? Da, 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 you know, and, and we just kept pushing. Like we pushed the day before we pushed that morning, push, 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 push. And finally we got to the point where like, well, we're going. And he just kept saying, I'm not going. And I really, afterwards, like I was annoyed in that. I'm like, can you believe it? And we're like, you know, complaining about it. And like, he's such a baby, you know, all the things, again, we should disassociate his actions yeah. with him. Hard, like no shade. Like it's really difficult to do. But, and so, and so we're doing it and we come back and we're like, oh man, it was so awesome. This and that. But what, what was cool about what he did was he was like, guys, I know it was awesome for you, but I was not going to have an awesome time. And he was like, I know that I needed to take half a day to sit in here and play my Nintendo DS. Like he just knew. He said, like, this is what I would do at home if I was if I was worrying about stuff, I would I would let myself go away. And so for him, playing that Nintendo DS or reading a book, I mean, again, maybe it's hard because you still have the mental thing, but I guess it was enough that it, it caught enough of his brain that he couldn't do both. And so what we learned from that was like, even us, like you you have to know what feels right and you have to listen to yourself and you have to slow down and do the things that make you feel comfortable in that moment and not say, oh my gosh, am I going to regret it? Like there is a point that you want to push yourself, but there's also a point where you say, no, I know that. I'm- it is really, really difficult to do that while you're traveling as you like, no, like you mentioned it in your other interview with um, Practical Wanderlust, like there is so much pressure to do everything, see everything. And if you miss it, this was a once in a lifetime opportunity and you missed out. But if you go and you have a bad time anyway, it wasn't worth it, right? Like you need to, and it, but it's really hard. You need to really recognize and, and be in tune with yourself and be like, I know that this is going to be a bad time and I need to take this time to myself and just sort of like sit with it. Let your let yourself do sort of the self-love and the self-healing practices that you would do at home and allow yourself the time for it even if you're on a trip, because, you know, it's, it's not worth going to this once in a lifetime place if you're miserable the entire time. Totally. And that goes for any traveler, any traveler. And it's, and it's a lesson that, that I, I learned that day. Like I came back and I was like, man, how can he be? I remember being like kind of annoyed. Like, how can he be like, he misses, how can he be okay with it? And then I thought, he doesn't care. That's fine. Like, so he'll never go to the world's highest cable car. Okay. So will so will almost no one. Like, <laughs> right. right. Fine. Exactly. Do you have a few self-love things that you do, whether it's, it's to subside anxiety or, I mean, I guess in your case, if it's you're a hundred percent anxious, but, or just in general where you're like, yeah, when I go on a trip, I always try to do these, these. Yeah. I'm, I, I'm not as much of a, like a meditation kind of guy. I want to be. Um, but for me, it sort of takes the form of what napkins did in that moment. Like if I, have a bunch of friends who need to do something and they need to see something and I just don't feel like it. I'll just take the day and like hang out at the hostel or I'll go for a walk, like explore the market. I just like in the same way that if you have a really busy week at home and you just need like a Sunday to do nothing, it's the same kind of thing. If you 
have been on a trip and you've been hiking and going and nonstop, like socializing with people, sometimes I just need like some time to myself. I mean, hostels are so jam packed with people. It's socializing a hundred percent of the time. And I'm, I'm more of an introverted person. So I, I really get my energy from, from solitude sometimes. So even if it's just taking a half a day to just do my own thing or like hang out in the, the hostel dorm and, and not really like talk to anybody for me, that can be really healing sometimes. For you as a trip overall, does it, do you prefer slow travel or do you prefer like, Hey, I want to go fast because I'm, you know, I'm constantly stimulated. And so there, there isn't as much time for this to creep in or, or yeah. is it the reverse of like, Oh wait, if I go to six places in 12 days, there's a lot more that can go wrong. I, it really, it really depends for me. Um, I've done trips that are like as short as a week and trips that were as long as like two, two and a half months. And on the longer ones, I like to take my time. And on the shorter ones, I really like to see everything. I went to Colombia for two weeks and I made sure to go. I think I went to Medellin, uh, Salento, Minca, Santa Marta, Lost City, and Cartagena all in two weeks. And that was a really jam-packed trip. Whew, yeah. But it was paced out well enough that I didn't feel like I was rushing to the point that I was missing out on stuff. But then there's, you know, there's a lot to be said too for trips that are kind of more leisurely and you know, you don't always have to fill up your passport with, with countries. You can kind of just go to one and enjoy it, you know? Yeah. Have you found, and I, I don't know, this is, uh, this is a really interesting question for me because I don't know what your answer is going to be at all. Um, but I know that anxiety and OCD is more of an internal thing, right? An internal battle that you're having, but have you found being around different cultures that maybe you have it less or more based on the, the, kind of the situation you're in and the people you're around? It sort of depends. Um, I think as a person who just gets anxious around people to degree, to like to a degree everywhere, sometimes when you're dropped in a place where you don't really know any of the language or the culture or the norms or anything, I, I do get a bit panicky. Like when I first, when I first got to Bali on my first trip and I got out of the airport and you know, you get swarmed with all those cab drivers, right? I was like, oh my God, guys, whoa, whoa, give me a sec. I feel like unsafe. And then, you know, like after a week and you realize like, this is just how they are here. There's nothing harmful about it. They're just trying to get business. Like that kind of subsides to a degree. But um, I don't know that else. I don't know that I could say that I've ever felt like le like more at ease than I am at home while traveling because of the culture. I just like I'm not proud of it, but I'm on my guard a little bit more when I'm, you know, in a different country where I, I feel a little bit disadvantaged than I do here. Yeah. Do you find then you mentioned like it gets easier? Yeah. Does it is there does it like get easier throughout the trip as well? Like, all right, let's say let's say you are in Bali for two weeks. By the end of your two weeks, you're like, man, I'm a lot. I'm a lot more at ease. Or are you kind of like, yeah, I know probably something's not going to go wrong, but I'm still. I'm still anxious, even if I'm more aware that it's the end result is. I think it depends on the person and how they sort of process this stuff. For me, like I, I really, truly am anxious 100 percent of the time. I have peace with it, which is a different thing. But like, you know, my two month trip to Southeast Asia, I was still anxious, like at the end of the two months, as much as I was when I first got there. I really like wasn't quite as confident that things were going to go wrong as I was when I first arrived. Like I was having fun and didn't want it to end, but the, like, the anxiety was still there. It's a lot about making peace with your anxiety rather than trying to like force it away. It's gonna be there. It's, you know, 
if if you are anxious at home, you will be anxious somewhere else. It doesn't stop. But uh, it's it's about like just accepting the fact that the anxiety is going to be there, recognizing it, recognizing that anxiety isn't always a bad thing inherently. It's just your brain trying to like stop you from danger. It's a good thing. It just can become kind of overactive. So recognizing it for what it is and not letting it dictate everything for you. Does it then get easier to take trips? So for example, you said you always get anxious about two weeks out, but like on this, let's say this 10th trip or this latest trip that you just took, did you feel like when that anxiety started coming up, like you booked your trip, you're excited, but then you hit that mark where you're like, oh shoot, like uh, now I'm, you know, I know I'm going, I want to catch up. Was there less anxiety this time or does it kind of reset and you're just, you're, you're fighting the same battle? I would say it's kind of like, um, it's kind of cumulative. Like it does reset to a point because I was really anxious before my most recent trip. My most recent one, I went to the Philippines for two weeks and Japan for two weeks and the Philippines, I was going to be alone. And then Japan, I was going to be with friends. So I had a little bit of a, a parachute sort of in the fact that I was meeting friends, but I hadn't taken a solo trip at that point in uh, two years. So it sort of reset itself, but it was better than it was my first trip. Like it's sort of like a, it's an incline. If you want to think of it on a graph, it's an incline, but it has waves that go up and down. Right. Gotcha. So you're, yeah. it, it, it's, it's never getting to the highest peak again, maybe, mm-hmm. but it's still going to peak. It does. Yeah, it does peak. Uh, but it, it's always temporary. Like if it peaks, it peaks and then I have a good time, but it's never, it's, I mean, it's the same thing with like anything, working out, studying anything, like the more effort you put into it, the more you get out of it. So the more you travel, the less you freak out every single time, but you still might freak out a little bit. Yeah. Bringing that back to the first timers, because I know your site, a lot of what you're trying to do is say, Hey, this is great for people who have traveled, who feel this, who are, are anxious and have traveled aren't normally anxious like Trav, but still will get anxious at points in travel. But also one of your, you know, your big missions is I want to get people who don't think they can travel because they have OCD and anxiety to take that first trip, just like where you were with that Southeast Asia eat, pray, love trip. So, so if someone's listening and they're like, that's me, that's me, Gila. Like I've wanted to do this. It's, I want to do it so bad, but I am just, I have never been able to do it. What, what, like what tips do you have? What kind of advice yeah. can can you give them? Well, no, it's a great question. I think my complex around this really started with the thought that travel isn't for me. It's not for people like me. It's not for anxious people, for type A people, for worriers. I mean, you think about it and you see Instagram and stuff and it's all these like dreadlocked nomad kind of guys and and I, uh, Leah and Jeremy were talking uh we're talking about it uh, in their episode, like you just think you're going to become that when you go. And I'm like, no, this never going to be me. I'm so not I'm having dreadlocks. I like it no. high and tight, right? <laughs> um, so like, but the thing is like, we all know Instagram and like social media is curated and stuff. And the people who you think are like that aren't like that. They're not all like that. And some people are more carefree, carefree. Like you seem like your anxiety doesn't really like keep you from as much stuff as mine does. But you know, in the very fact they're able to, to relate to the stuff on my website, it shows like everyone has this to a degree. So what I would say to the people listening who have never done it and want to try it, like, if you think that it's not for you, that's not true. Because I mean, I couldn't be more of like an, a model of someone who doesn't think it's for them. And it's like my favorite thing to do, you know, and just the things you're worried about that you don't think other people worry about, 
they do and and they do it anyway and they survive and I survived and you will too. Yeah, you know, that's such a great point that it's not like it's not like hey, I'm anxious and I can't love travel. Like anyone can love travel. Anyone who's anxious, not anxious, you know, male, female, black, white, Asian, any socioeconomic group like that that doesn't mean like this characteristic or part of you doesn't mean that you can't love travel. It does mean, as you mentioned, probably that you're more apt to think, oh, well, that's an inherently risky thing and I don't like risk, so I can't do it. But it doesn't mean that, that, you know, your personality is made and it's like, if you're anxious, you don't like travel or you don't want to do it or you can't do it. Exactly. It's, it's this thing of like, there are people who think, your comfort zone is where you stay. And if you leave it, you're going to die. Like, that's just the way that they think. That's how I used to think and still do sometimes. And it's just, it's just not true. And the only way to really know is to try it. That's it. You know, has it helped you then when you come back in your day to day life? Like when you come back from a trip, are you uh, maybe less anxious or maybe not even less anxious, but are you more risky at home then because you're kind of riding that wave of like, or do, or do you come home and kind of say, all right, I'm back in my safe space. Like I'm not yeah, going to, yeah. not going to push myself as much. It's a, it's a, a bit of both. And I would say it's time sensitive. Like I have, there's like a grace period from when I get back from a trip where I'm like, I'm a yes man. I can do whatever. And then, you know, you settle back into your routine and, and, you know, you kind of return a little bit to, to, the way that you were before. But I, I really like to keep with me the perspective of like, if I ever feel um, overwhelmed or anxious about something or feel like I can't do something, I think about like, I just went to South America for 61 days by myself without speaking any Spanish. And I managed so I could probably do whatever it is I'm nervous about now. Like, it's nice to have concrete evidence of the fact that you can go somewhere and not like collapse in like a pool of sobs. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like an F you to that devil on your shoulder, right? You're like, Oh, you're telling me I can't do this. Come on, man. Like talking to that girl at the bar, whatever, whatever it is. I don't know. It's like, I just went to South America, 61 days, no hablo espanol. All right. I got this right. You manage, you manage. And just having that perspective to remind yourself that like, this is a, an example of me trying something that I thought was scary and it worked out okay. And I didn't die. Like it helps. It really helps, you know, in your day to day too. One of the things that I think helps people at any point is seeing other people do it, which is why I love having you on and love your site because you're saying like, I am a role model for this. I can tell like even just the way you worded your stuff, like <laughs> yeah. when you said I've been there, I thought that I've worried yeah. about it. I've worried about some more and there's a solution. As soon as you said that, I was thinking of napkins because I'm like, that's him. Like I'm worrying. And then he worries some more. So you, you're essentially kind of s like showing your chops. Like, listen, yeah, I, these are my anxiety chops. I do, like, like, I know that for me, if I talk, it's like, if I talk to someone and I'm like, uh, you know, I, I have the jitters today. I probably have like a disease. Right. And they're like, Oh, please. I've had that. And I'm fine. I'm like, no, but you're not me and you don't get it. Right. So in the same vein, like if I'm reading stuff about travel and they're telling me it's fine, you'll be fine. Don't worry about it. Like, I'm going to say, no, but you're not me. You don't get it. And so I really wanted to like qualify my website and be like, guys, I know what you're thinking. I know you think that I'm like, like not as anxious as you wrong. Like I am just as anxious, probably more anxious. And I still did it and I'm still fine. So you can do it too. That, okay. So have you, have you heard that? Because that would be my thing is like, 
Well, okay, Gilad, you're not as anxious because you actually did get past it and I haven't. So inherently, you don't struggle as much as me. Mm-hmm. Like, I have heard that. And but then, like, I was doing that until I went on the trip. It was gotcha. You're, that's the thing. Like, anxiety is going to always make you doubt things. So it's always going to make you think, like, no, 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 but I'm me. But I'm me. And they did this and that, you know. But I. I like I spent the first 23 years. Well, I guess not 23. I didn't really have much travel say when I was four. But like I spent the first however many years of my life not traveling because I was scared. Right. And then I did it. And that's it. Like, I'm sure whoever I'm talking to has faced their own struggles that I haven't. So everyone, you know, your struggles are different. But I just I promise whoever's listening, I, I am just as anxious as you. I promise. It's not like I you know, I'm like this special breed of anxious that can still do it. I, you just decide at one point what your priorities are and, and that the fear isn't going to control you. Um, and you, you go for it. Yeah. I mean, this is a guy who isn't saying like, oh, I didn't travel because I didn't want to. I mean, he has a scratch. I'm seeing it on video. He has a scratch map behind him. Like, yeah, so you, so you were like, even growing up, you were like, I love the idea of travel. Like I want to, but it's just, it wasn't like, oh, I didn't get around to it. And then at 23, you thought, oh, well now I like it. I'm going to do it. You wanted to, you just, it was the anxiety holding you back. I, there's fear was really boxing me in for a lot of my life. It still does in some senses, but it really was up until 23. And, um, it really stopped me from, I like, I never even went to sleepaway camp. My parents always would be like, oh, you're never going to go away to college. You're never going to travel. You can't even go to sleepaway camp. And now I'm like, haha, well, screw you guys. I, I did it. But like, I, I was such, I was really, really allowing the, the negative narrative in my head to tell me like, no, you can't do it. You won't do it. I promise you won't do it. I was really letting it control me to the point where like, I really didn't take any risks. And until, until I was 23, I really wouldn't take any at all. And um, you only, like I've said before, the only way to see that you can take a risk and make it out the other side is to try. Yeah. Totally. I mean, and this, and you know, coming from you who says I'm as anxious as anyone out there coming from me who says I'm not usually anxious, but there have been plenty of times where I've traveled and felt anxious and said, I don't want to do this, or this is scary or, or like I'm worried, you know, it happens to everyone. You, you try to get a, a neurotic hypochondriac person to go scuba diving. Like, do you understand how much like convincing, how much like uh, self-talk and stuff that that took to get me to do it. And to date, it's like my top three favorite things I've ever done. Like I was convinced we were, we, I don't even know how many meters we went down. It was like nothing. It was a reef. It was a shallow reef. And I was like, when I come up, I'm going to get the bends. I'm going to get a clot in my brain. I'm going to die. And like, I get it. I know how this is, but it's, it's one of those things. Like you just, it's a calculated risk, you know, and you go for it. And, and I've seen how good it is. You've seen how good it is. There's a whole spectrum of people between you and me and more who want to do it and haven't done it, who who could. Yep. I, I mean, I'm like you. I also thought that I was going to get the bends. And again, I was yeah. like not any deeper than if I had like gone down and touched the bottom of a swimming yeah, pool. Exactly. And I'm like, I don't know how this oxygen works. Am I supposed to have it in or out or what? Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, um, but yeah. And so, and so that is to say, like, I love that you're that you're talking to people who are more anxious and and that's why I want to have you on because you can speak to that and they can listen and say, Oh, I know. Like, I know he knows what he's talking about because he's speaking my language. 
And I'm here to say, even if you don't feel anxious, like there's going to be, and, and you think, oh yeah, I'm, I'm free spirited. I have yeah. dreadlocks. I am free spirited. Yeah. <laughs> You're still going to feel anxious and I've done yeah. it. And I might even be getting more anxious the older I get, which, which is a common thing for most people. And so I have to fight against it here and there too and say, Trav, you've done this a thousand times. Like I find myself Googling it, how to get from Barcelona airport to downtown. And I'm like all worried about it. And I was like, what do you care? Get a taxi. Like we're gonna, and uh, you know, so I, I'm kind of fighting the other way of saying like, oh, I feel myself kind of losing a bit of my free spiritedness and maybe getting a little more anxious. Some of it's because of age. But that's okay. Like yeah. that's the thing. I, I don't know. There's like a crusade against anxiety. And while I understand why, because I like no one wants to feel uncomfortable, it's part of living. And like you're, when you're younger, you just don't feel it as much sometimes. Right. And as you're older, it's a natural thing. You, you know, you have a wife, you have a kid, you, you have things to think about. And um, there's no need to like try and force anxiety out of your life. It's going to come back. Have you, you've tried thinking, you've tried telling yourself not to think about something, right? Like it just comes back stronger. So don't fight it, just like let it exist and accept it as something that is part of your life and that's okay. And you don't have to like, I don't know, you don't have to like let it. Totally. I mean, you mentioned it. it's kind of the whole idea of like, why go to an art museum if it's going to make you miserable? Like why if I'm like, why beat myself up because I'm Googling how to get to the, from downtown or from the airport to downtown when it's like, who cares? You found it in five minutes. Yes, when you were younger, you would have showed up and and not known and whatever. Is it? Who cares? It's a different. I tell people all the time: your travel style changes. This is part of the style. Be okay with it. Um, thank you for giving me permission, man. I appreciate yeah, that. Everyone, everyone needs to give themselves permission to feel their feelings. That's the thing. Don't fight it. It's okay to feel it. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. I want to ask you about your biggest travel mishap. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we're talking about biggest travel mishaps. I'm sure you've had some. And, you know, one of the things I think is cool about talking about, especially with you, Gilad, because we ask uh, most people who come on about it, but you're saying like, I had this mishap, which again, I'm always worried about everything happening. And then something did happen and maybe it wasn't as bad as what was in my head, but I'm still able to say that was a one-off or that happened for this. It doesn't yeah, mean yeah. it's going to happen every time. Yeah. I have actually one that I think fits perfect. I have so many, but I have one that fits perfect with what we're talking about. Um, I've, I mean, you know, I've always, always been worried about health problems. That's the big thing, right? Um, when I, I went in, I think 2017 to South America and part of that trip was going to Peru. So I had flown from Lima to Cusco one day um, to meet up. My sister was meeting me a few days later and we were going to go hiking Machu Picchu. And um, I had known that the altitude change was significant, you know, going from sea level to like, I think it's like 3,400 meters, something like that. But I had been earlier in my trip uh, in Ecuador, I went to like high altitudes too, and I was fine. But so I arrive in Cusco, I check into my hostel, I'm going about my like day to day business, I meet up with a friend who I spoke to earlier in the trip. And I'm just like doing my day. And then we go out at night and we drink a little bit. I, I haven't really eaten anything all day. And then it's the end of the night, we're at a pizza place in Cusco. Uh, and I feel mostly fine. But I kind of get up to go to the bathroom. And then when I'm in the bathroom, everything goes foggy. My my vision just like sort of like turns black. I can't really hear anything. And I just sort of like, I remember opening the door to the bathroom. I was like swaying because I was losing balance. And I just sort of like knocked my forehead 
into the door on my way out and I, my knees buckle and I fall. And it was hilarious because my friend, not hilarious, but like my friends that I was with were sitting like right outside the bathroom. Like what the hell does happen to you? And uh, I'm like bleeding from my forehead. I have a huge gash in my forehead. I drink a ton of water um, and everyone's like comforting me, which is really like a huge testament to travel friends because I didn't even really know them. But, um, and this was one of those things. I fainted because I just, the altitude change was huge. I didn't eat eat or drink water all day. And then I went out drinking, which is so unlike me, but um, yeah. And then like, I remember I went home, oh, like back to the hostel and I just slept it off, which is crazy to me because here I would totally go to like a doctor or a hospital. I didn't even get stitches or anything. And then the next day I started my Machu Picchu hike. <laughs> were you, then were you like the next day, did you start to say, like question that? Like say, Dude, I just like, oh my, if that happens to me and yeah. I'm on the trail, what's going to yeah. happen? Oh, yeah. So like I had all these thoughts racing of like, we're about to do like the five day Salkantai trek. Like we're going to be in the middle of nowhere. No one can really get to me. What am I going to do? Um, and it was like a, a good 12 hours of debating whether or not I wanted to do the trek um, after that. But my sister was coming. I knew I would have her and I knew I would have people around and that comfort and honestly just seeing like how my my travel friends reacted to it and, and helped me out uh was really comforting too so I just sort of like took it in stride but it's funny because now all my all my pictures in Peru I have this enormous like scar on my forehead my my Salcantai nickname was Harry Potter <laughs> <laughs> well you know what and that's an awesome memory because that is like it's an overcoming like you see that scar and you think I could have easily said nope it's the the universe, whatever the universe is telling me not to do this, yeah. I'm not going and missed and out on the Machu Picchu. Like, think about it, like that was an actual real life realization of what my fears were. That's what I was afraid would happen, and then it did, and I was okay, you know. And to just come out of it the other side, to me, was really useful because I, I have been on trips since when I was going to go on a hike, and that's popped into my head. Like, what if I faint? What if the altitude gets to me? And I'm like, well, it did once, and I was okay. So, you know. It, it should be okay this time. I don't know. Yeah, I think that helps too with, with hypochondria, right? It's like if you've had something, you you, it, not that it can't be worse, but you've had it and you've gotten through and you said, okay, like I know what it feels like. Again, like putting a name to something, not that everyone should go and get every, go go <laughs> yeah. on purpose, but yeah. it's like you, you're not only putting a name to it, you you actually have done it and gotten through it. It's, I mean, it's hugely involved in the exposure therapy that I do with OCD. It's showing yourself the worst case scenario, proving to yourself that whatever it is, it could happen, it could not happen. And whatever happens, you'll, you'll be fine. Right. And, and like just getting through to the other side, it was hugely important in that regard for me. Um, and I, I mean, not to say like, I haven't struggled with it. When I did a hike in, uh, the Acatenango hike in Guatemala, I was really freaked out about that happening again. But like, it, it's nice to have that evidence in, in your back pocket that you you make it through. And also, how much better is it to faint in a in a pizza place in Cusco than it is in like New York? <laughs> right, right. You <He laughs> faint in a pizza right. place in New York, people just step over you like, <laughs> yeah. whatever. Uh, another guy fainting here. Oh, man. Well, and I love that. And I love the idea that you just gave of, of, of a back pocket, right? Like there's a lot of stuff that you keep in your back pocket to keep you comfortable. Money, call, you know, n friends either coming on the trip with you or friends meeting like your sister is meeting you so it kind of pushed you you know this idea that i've been through it before this idea that i have a friend on speed dial that i can call who's a doctor like the more things you can keep there 
in your back pocket, you know, mentally, emotionally, and then also bring stuff with you. Like you've mentioned, you bring like, Hey, I'll bring a ton of medicine. I'll bring, bring bug spray because it'll give me a level of comfort that I, that I can have. It's, it's planning for what you can while expecting that things won't go to plan. That's just all, it's all you can do. You know, like you can plan all you want for a trip and then things will change and that's how it is. So all you can do is bring stuff with you, have things ready. And then if whatever happens, happens. Awesome. What do yeah. you have coming up in the pipeline, both like maybe travel plans for yourself and then yeah. for anxious and abroad? Well, travel plans for myself are on hold at the moment because yeah. of COVID. Um, <laughs> I've, I've tried planning three separate trips during lockdown, all of which got pushed back because of this. Uh, so I don't really know yet because, I mean, Americans aren't really being let in anywhere at the moment. Where would you go? Let's let's I play would, that game. Or no, where did you plan? Um, I was talking about Nepal. I've never been to Nepal and a friend and a friend of mine and I really wanted to go. Um, Sri Lanka is also on the list. We really like Asian countries a lot. Um so I would be thrilled to go there when I can. Um, so if anyone has tips for it, let me know. Uh, and then in terms of my website, um, again, not like a ton that I can work on at the moment. I'm working on a, on a piece right now about how to plan for a trip post COVID because it'll look a little bit different. Um, right before COVID started, I had just finished uploading every single one of my itineraries to my website, like where to stay, where to go, like a, a map of like where you can fly in and fly out of pretty much exactly what I wish I had when I was planning a trip to like formulate a backbone to it. Um, so if, if people want a little bit of like travel inspiration for when things end, that's a, that's what I would recommend. There's a lot of, a lot of good stuff in there. Nice, man. Gila, thank you so much, man, for joining me today. Just being so open, honest, real with your story and, and also giving both sides permission. And by that, I mean like the, the anxious, nervous OCD person permission to be able to get out there and travel and also permission to, to people who are on the other side who are like, Hey, I don't know how to deal with this. Or, or maybe I haven't had to, and I hadn't before either. And kind of giving me tips, but also to say like, yeah, you don't know what you don't know. And, and here are some things to do it better maybe next time, but also don't, don't beat yourself up because you haven't had to experience it. So I can't thank you enough. No, I'm glad. I, I think there it's just it's accountability on both sides and, and empathy for both sides. No one wants to be anxious and no one wants to like burden you with their problems, but they also don't want to like go on a trip and not be able to go somewhere because their friends having panic attack. I I get it, you know? Everyone everyone just needs to give themselves permission to feel their feelings. Totally. Totally. Yeah. Where can people come to to find you and do you have social media that they should be checking out? Yeah. So the website is anxious and abroad. Um, it's got pretty much everything on it. It links to my Facebook page, Pinterest page, Instagram page. Um, that's pretty much all the social, I think. Uh, yeah, it's, it's all up there. Awesome. And like I said at the top guys, super easy to navigate. You'll like, you've listened to Gila now for, for an hour. So you get them, but I mean, you'll go there and you'll be like, I, I, this is cool. I can feel him coming through the site. That's not easy to do. Like you've I'm done really a great job that way. Thank you. Yeah. You've done a fantastic job, man. So uh, we'll link everything up in the show notes, guys. You can get that extra pack of slash shows. Gila, thanks again, man. It was, it was so cool to hear your side and also get to unpack a little bit of my experience with it and, and getting some tips from, from your side for that. I, I, I didn't kind of expect that to like bring myself into it, but I really <laughs> enjoyed you allowing me to do that. And yeah, I'm really glad. I'm glad. Thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. 
Guys, thank you for listening, uh, for making us the number one rated travel podcast out there and for the continued support. And until next time, happy free travels. I'll show you Paris soon.